whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. and welcome back to Ageless. I'm sure you can hear in my voice, your girl is still congested and I don't know what to do about it, but I'm trying, taking emergency every day. But today we have an incredible episode as usual, if I do say so myself, with my friends Mads Maley. And she is an incredible influencer. You guys definitely need to follow her. She also has a podcast called No More Small Talk that She just started. It is so, so good. And I encourage you guys all to go listen to that. But on this episode, we talk about spending time alone, the pros and cons of being in the wellness space on Instagram, and friendships, building positive friendships, friendship red flags, and a bunch of other stuff. We literally could have been talking for like five hours, but this episode is super, super fun and I hope you guys love it. So let me know your thoughts and let's just jump right in. So for our listeners who don't know you yet, I want to hear about what a day in your life looks like right now and of course how old you are. Yeah, so my name is Madison or Mads. I'm 23. I do Instagram and social media kind of part-time. I work a full-time job in corporate healthcare, which I feel like from Instagram mostly no one really knows about just because it's not the most exciting thing to talk about, especially when My Instagram is geared more towards aesthetics, so I don't highlight myself sitting at a desk all day because it's not that exciting. But my normal day in life is very routine. I'm very strict with with my routine, so I'll wake up around 6.30ish, depending on if I'm taking... I'm already off. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on the day. It depends on the day, on a good day and a normal day. 6.30-ish, depends on when my workout class is. Sometimes I'll do SLT and flat iron, so I have to walk a little bit. So I'll wake up earlier, but around 6.37, and then I work out or go on a walk or just do something for my body. I'll come back, shower, make breakfast, and get all that done by nine because I work nine to five. Sometimes I have early meetings, and then I will work from nine to five. I'll kind of break up the day and go on little sanity walks around the city just to break things up and get away from my desk. And then now it's so dark out, but I used to go and take content outside when it was five o'clock, but now it's kind of dark. So I do all my content on the weekends mainly, but when five o'clock hits, I'm done working usually. Sometimes it's later and then dinner, plan out my day for the next day or the next week organize my content for social media at night and then do my night routine and start it all over. Yeah. So I'm 
really interested because I know originally your Instagram was basically only recipes, only food content. And now it has really transitioned. Like I love you always are posting your outfits and just like more lifestyle stuff. So I'm wondering why you decided to switch up your Instagram to be more like lifestyle rather than just food. I think there's a few main reasons why. Um, When I first started my account, it was when I was really getting into health, wellness and fitness and food and creating healthy recipes. And when I started my account, I was at a really, really low, lonely kind of point in my life where I was trying to get on this journey towards health and wellness. And I wanted something to take up my time and it became not just a passion, but more of an obsession of mine to be in the world of health and wellness. And so that's how I spent all my time was making healthy recipes and researching health and nutrition. And I was in school at the time. So it wasn't like I was working full time. I had a lot of time on my hands. And this passion of mine became into, I feel like there's good obsessions and then there's bad ones. At first it was good because it took up my time and made me really happy. But then it became really toxic. And I became so obsessive over every single thing that I ate and nothing could be quote, quote, unhealthy. And it just became way too much. And so I tried to gear my Instagram more towards other things as well, because that was also causing me stress was, I have to make all these healthy recipes every single day and have a new one. And it just became so overwhelming, just healthy living it in it shouldn't be that should be a way of life it should be something that de-stresses people it shouldn't be something that causes stress but it began to cause me stress and so I wanted to kind of focus on other things and 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 promote more balance on my page rather than just healthy all the time because that's not reality and that's not healthy to strive to be healthy all the time it's not it's not a good thing And then on top of that, I started working full time and I just don't have time to make healthy recipes. I mean, now what I eat in the day, I eat the same thing every day. I'll have oatmeal, eggs and avo toast, and then like a salad for dinner. I'm not making extravagant things. I'm not making crazy new recipes all the time. So I'm not going to have this facade and, and make up the fact that I'm eating all these lavish, healthy recipes and meals when I'm actually not. So those are the two main reasons why everything is kind of shifted. And I just, I just don't have time at all. I mean, I can relate to that because like the recipes that I post, I post a recipe weekly and it's like a great way for me to try new recipes and like gain inspiration in the kitchen. But I think if I was doing it more often, it would get to the point where I was just, like making stuff just to post on Instagram and like not even to eat. And it just like, wouldn't be fun. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think about, because like (laughs) I joke about it, but like, I'm trying to find my niche on TikTok right now. (laughs) And (laughs) it's like, I want to be Emily Mariko. Number one, my kitchen is not Emily Mariko vibes, but like the goal would be to be her. Like I love cooking and her recipes are incredible. But thinking about that, like, I know I couldn't be posting my recipes every day. Number one, they would probably be really bad. And number two, like, I'm 
a creature of habit too. Like a lot of times I will find a recipe that I like and then just make that for like a week straight and eat that the same thing for for like a week. So like, I'm not the best at like recipe developing, Mm -hmm. like constant recipe developing. That's why I love to like, okay, weekly I'll try something new and like make something new and share it. But if I had to do it super, super consistently, like every day, especially on a platform like TikTok, where it's like, the more you post, the better it does. Right. It would just be like, it would just become insane. But to your point of like, sort of this wellness alter ego persona online becoming obsessive and toxic. I'm wondering what you think are the cons or like the negatives of the wellness space on Instagram right now? Yeah, I feel like that kind of goes into this topic just because what you were saying, you you don't want to be making food and making recipes just to post them. And I felt like that's what I was doing. I was like, I really want just eggs and avo toast, but no, I need to post this new recipe on Instagram. So I can't make that. I need to make something else. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy anymore doing that. And you wouldn't know that from Instagram because I'm not going to be posting like my tears on this crazy good recipe. Like I'm just going to post the recipe. But I think going, going into the whole cons of the wellness community, I think at least The people who I follow, I feel like, and I feel like we follow a lot of the same people. A lot of my friends do a really good job at being super authentic and very real and posting about their bad days and posting about the negatives that happen. But the vast majority is very, you know, the term like positive toxicity or or toxic positivity. I think that that was a big problem too for a while, but people are kind of getting more into posting about the good and the bad. So that's on the whole wellness side. But then on the health side, at least for me, I know that a lot of people can struggle with comparison on social media when it comes to health and wellness influencers, like looking at what I eat in a days and and trying to analyze what other people are eating in order to have the certain body type that someone else has or follow someone's exact workout split and and try to mimic what they're doing to look a certain way. I think that that's a big problem. And that's something that I dealed with a long time ago when I first started getting into the health and wellness Instagram platform world. I would look at people like Sammy Clark, who I absolutely love. Like she's great. She's a great She's so fire. She's amazing. She's a great health and wellness influencer and she's so transparent, but it comes down to how you look at things and what your perspective is. Because now I view her page and I'm like, she's great. She's amazing. What a good inspiration. But back in the day when I had this toxic relationship with social media and health and wellness and fitness, I would look at what she ate in a day and every time that she posted, she worked out, I would try to mimic exactly what she was doing. And I think that a lot of girls do that still. And that's not okay because we really need to be emphasizing how everyone is so different. Like if me and you worked out the exact same way every week and ate the exact same thing, we would still look so 
different and our bodies would be so different. And it's hard to grasp that, but I feel like people are doing a better job at explaining that and emphasizing that. But I think that's a big, big con in the wellness world. I would also say like, and I, I think to your point, things have definitely gotten better in the like having a aspirational Instagram versus now it's more like having an authentic Instagram is the goal. But at the same time, I think the quote unquote, that girl aesthetic still Mm -hmm. exists. And like, for me, that's something that I even find myself like comparing myself to a lot where I'm like, well, my kitchen doesn't have good natural light. So like I can't post in there or like whatever it is, like stuff, like minor things like that, where you're like tearing down your life because it's not as aesthetic as someone else's. Right. And I find myself doing that still. And so I think like, that's kind of the only downside of it for me right now, because like, I will see people like, posting the books they're reading or like their morning routines or whatever it is. And I'm like, well, Mads wakes up at not at six <laughs> until nine. Like I'm such a slacker or like yeah. whatever it is. And I think that's where I guess, like, I don't know if there's a way to get around that, but I think it's just like, for me kind of romanticizing my life and like, the parts of my life that and finding gratitude for like the things for the fact that I can wake up at nine and like the fact that I do have an amazing kitchen in New York city, even though it might not have the best natural light, <laughs> like whatever it is, I think yeah. though that's like the way around it, I guess is gratitude, but it's like, it is hard when you're looking on TikTok or on Instagram at like that girl aesthetic, because right. it's so hard to match for everyone even that girl doesn't have that aesthetic you know exactly for hours to get that aesthetic right and I will get comments on my TikToks because I feel like I love aesthetics so much when it comes to Instagram and and I love following accounts that have aesthetics that really just like kind of flow and calm me down and so when it comes to Instagram and TikTok I follow people who are super authentic and real but then I also follow you know, like that girl aesthetics and, and, and things like that. And I get comments a lot saying like, Oh, I wish my life looked like this. Or like your life looks so aesthetic and calm. And I'm like, it's really not like you have no idea. It's really not. I just enjoy capturing those things. And I try my best to be super real all the time. I haven't been doing that good of a job recently because I've been just so boom, boom, boom. And when I have time to capture things, I want to capture aesthetically pleasing things. But we get this perception that what we see on social media is how someone's life is all the time. When in reality, it's just such a small portion of, of what it actually is. And no one's life is actually that aesthetic but it's hard not to think that when someone's posting constantly of this, these amazing aesthetic TikToks and their recipes and their clean kitchen when they're making all these recipes, like my kitchen does not look like that. It's not spotless. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. 
but no one wants to see that necessarily because there's so many accounts and there's like this, the aesthetic side of TikTok too, which like at one point my feed was just aesthetic after aesthetic and just like clean, minimalist, like morning routine, night routine. But like, that's not reality. And that's definitely a big con of the health and wellness world too, is that we're promoting too much like perfectionism mm-hmm. and, and, and being like clean and and minimalist and having exact routines, but that's not how life works. And I used to get so stressed out when I would step out of my routine or unintentionally my routine would get broken up. And it would really like, I used to get panic attacks when, when my routine was broken up or if something didn't go to plan. And it takes a while to realize that no one's life is exactly to plan. And if it is, it's probably boring that way. Anyways, your life shouldn't be exactly to plan all the time. And it shouldn't be all neat and tidy and aesthetic. Like that's not it's not fun. It's not a sustainable way to live either. So I feel like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's definitely a big con. Yeah. And I think sometimes like at this point, the TikToks, especially like the, that girl TikToks, they stress me out watching them. Like when I see one on my free page, I'm like, not interested because I want like humor. I want realness. I want like, I, I don't know, just like I don't want to compare myself to somebody's like perfect morning routine. Yeah. So I like literally choose not to watch super yeah. TikToks because I'm just like, I, I can't make this content right. and it's not my life. So it's just like, I, yeah. I don't need to see it, but enough of that. So I want to talk about your podcast. You just started and yeah. I've listened to both of your episodes and they're incredible and everyone should go listen. The newest episode about spending time alone, I found really, really interesting. I wanted to ask you just like overall, what do you think the difference between being alone and being lonely is? Yeah, I feel like I could probably talk about this for hours, but I feel like there's such a big difference and it all comes down to your mindset and how you're thinking and your perspective on your situation. So if you're comfortable with your personal home of of your mind, body and soul, like that's your home. If you're comfortable and secure in that, you're not going to feel lonely when you're alone because you have yourself and you're comfortable with yourself. And it's easy to feel lonely when you're alone. And if you're not used to this alone time and you're not confident and comfortable with yourself, it's not going to be a great feeling, which is why it takes a while to build up this comfort and confidence within yourself. And it's also easy to feel alone when you're in this alone time and or feel lonely when you're in this alone time, if you're not using this alone time to your benefit. For example, if I'm having alone time, I'm spending time by myself and I'm just like scrolling through Instagram and just watching what everyone else is doing with their lives, or I'm scrolling through TikTok just mindlessly. That's not benefiting me. I'm not using my alone time to make myself feel good or feel fulfilled. That's not, it's not doing anything for me. Whereas if I'm spending my alone time doing something that I actually want to do something that's making me happy, it doesn't have to be some crazy productive, like a lot of the time I will go bake because that is like a therapeutic thing. And I have, when I have alone time, I have like a, a running list of recipes that I, I want to get to. And so like, I'm never, 
sitting around and like, oh, like, what should I do? Like, I'm bored. Like, I always have something to do. But it doesn't even have to be that. You don't have to be doing something productive. It could be like watching a documentary, spending time just doing something to fill your brain and your mind with with good rather than sitting alone and observing other people's lives or just feeling bad for yourself or, or something like that. And it's obviously easier said than done. And a lot of people get energy from being around other people. But I feel like if you, I was talking to a friend the other day about this and she was like, yeah, I listen to your podcast. I just don't want to be alone. I hate being alone because then I think, and I don't like to think. And when I'm with friends and I'm with people and I'm doing things, I don't think I just, I'm just kind of there and I don't have time to like think about my emotions and my feelings and analyze them. And I was like, yeah, I get that. Most, so many people are like that, but that's not a good thing because there's probably things that you should be thinking about that you're pushing down. You're pushing down emotions that you're not, you're not acknowledging them. You're just kind of pushing them away and you're not giving your brain time to analyze what's actually going on deeper. And I feel like especially in New York, it's just everyone's very go, 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 go. You have to be doing one thing after the other. And we don't really give our t- ourselves time to sit down and give our brain like a break and to think. And I feel like that just leads to burnout and makes you more upset and, and more sad about life in general, if you're not giving yourself time to kind of take a breath and really think about what's going on in your life. And so I feel like a lot of people avoid alone time because of that, because they don't want to have time to think. And it takes a while to to want to be alone and to feel comfortable being alone. But that's a whole nother, like, not step by step process, but there's so many things that you can do to, to make it better. But just, I guess my biggest tip for being alone is just, is just find things that fill you or if you don't have hobbies or passions, figure out what one of them could be have a list of things that you want to try, whether it's cooking, playing piano, watching a different documentary or doing research about something like reading a book, I don't even know. But like, have things that you could be interested in and and explore them. Yeah, I mean, I, for anyone listening who this feels like really daunting for, I was always a person that I need my space and I need my alone time. But I think it was mainly because like I was really at the time, like my social anxiety was really bad. This is pre-pandemic. And I just like had a really hard time being around people. And so I felt more comfortable like being alone. But it wasn't that like productive reflective time that you're talking about. And I'm still getting used to that and like getting better at that because I often find myself like, even when I am recharging and I, I'm alone, like I'm always listening to a podcast or like, I'm always like checking something off of my to-do list or whatever it is. And I think that finding, finding something like some sort of hobby, even if it's not like super productive that you can do that isn't like that you can do alone where you can allow your brain to like have 
those unfiltered thoughts. And Mm -hmm. for me, I really have found that to be cooking. And like, that's why I love cooking when I'm not filming it or anything, just when I'm like in my kitchen trying recipes and stuff, because Mm -hmm. I think that's like a perfect example of a hobby that you're doing something alone and it's not, you're, you can't be on your phone. You can't be like consuming at the same time as you're creating. Right. Um, and I also find like this, by the way, doesn't have to be something that like has to be inside or whatever, like yeah. going on walks with, I'm saying no podcasts, like maybe you could have some music in the background, <laughs> but like when you're not consuming something that's like just keeping your thoughts at bay. I think having a hobby like that is so crucial. Walks are great. I love walks. Um, Cooking is also, and then I would say surfing for me is like very similar because obviously there's no phone and you're just like at the mercy of nature. And so when I have the opportunity to be in the ocean, like I find that to be an amazing practice of solitude because you're completely like, yes, you could be in the water with other people, but like most of the time you're in your own space, you're by yourself and you can like allow your thoughts to kind of come to the surface and bubble up. Mm -hmm. And like in our culture where we're constantly overstimulated, Mm -hmm. having that time to like have no stimuli is insane because I feel like that's when a lot of my like emotional intelligence has begun to like form Mm -hmm. and I can build on my emotional intelligence because I have the time with like nothing screaming at me no like phones or no like media screaming at me so I love that episode and I need you to continue talking about this because (laughs) so interested. Um, but yeah, I think to your point, like the biggest tip would be to find a hobby that you're not, where you're not consuming and you can create and like not have any stimuli, but switching gears a little bit. I've seen you talk about this on social media, but I remember us talking about it, um, when we met in person about like finding your real friends and, I think like going back to the social media thing and like the wellness community online, like when I found that community, I felt like, whoa, these are like, even though so many of them I've never met in person, like I felt like it completely changed my view on social media because I was like, wow, I'm so used to like scrolling and seeing all these Instagram models and comparing myself to them. And now there's like this positive space online. So I felt like, okay, I've curated like my online space to be super positive and like filling my cup rather than draining it. And Mm -hmm. I also feel like at the same time, I kind of had like a big revolution in my personal life where I was really curating my friends in real life to have a similar like effect on me, um, which was to fill me up and like to have my back, I guess. And I'm wondering for you, like, what are your friendship red flags when you're in a situation where like, you're like, okay, this is not working for me? Yeah, I have a few that come to mind. 
just because I'm sure you've had talks like friendships in the past or friendships that just haven't worked out for whatever reason. But I feel like red flags, well, a big one is when you're coming home, you get home from seeing a friend and you just don't feel like you gain anything from seeing them or being with them. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be like you gained peace or you gained comfort or you're happier that you saw them. Or even to the extent of you feel more inspired now after your conversation with them or motivated. But sometimes in the past, I would come home from seeing a friend and it just felt like a chore, not necessarily like a wait. I don't want to go as far to say like it was a waste of time, but it's when it starts to feel like a chore and you're not gaining anything good, whether it's happiness or inspiration from this person that you're spending time with, that's when you should maybe start seeing other people or just spend your time doing other things. I think friend breakups can be difficult, especially when you're trying to distance yourself from someone and then they start noticing that. And instead of it just kind of fading out, they start asking you, why, why are you not seeing me? Like, like, why are you just, I feel something's off. You don't want to have that conversation. Like, I'm just not feeling this friendship anymore because friend breakups, they suck. They're just like regular breakups. They're not fun. So not necessarily like breaking yourself off from a friendship, but just kind of fading and, and seeing other people when, when that happens. And another big red flag for me and I don't know if I'll explain this well, but in the past, I think that imitation is such a great form of flattery. And sometimes like if my friends have funny words that they use, like I'll take their funny vocab and implement it in mine. And I start saying the same terms that they say, and they'll start like saying the same terms that I say, because it's just like fun or whatever. But there gets to be a point when a friend is so inspired by you and looks up to you so much that they imitate a lot of things that you do and it feels like they're like your personality is being taken away kind of Mm -hmm. and it's just it doesn't feel good and it's hard because you know that they're not doing it in a malicious way and they're not I guess necessarily trying to be you but you just feel it it can feel weird and maybe that's really niche and I don't know if like a lot of Okay, yeah, I don't know if like other people relate to this, but it's happened to me in the past. And I, it's hard to deal with because you don't know how to confront someone about like, taking your personality and and trying to copy you like, that's a weird thing. So that's a red flag for me It doesn't happen like, so often. And then my last red flag, I saw a TikTok the other day. And it was one of those TikToks. It was like things I could talk about for hours. And one of the things that this girl put was why insecure friends are the worst friends, which is so harsh, so harsh. And a lot of people in the comments were like, what? Like, that's so mean. Like, not every friend is going to be as confident as you. Like, like, that's so mean. But in a sense, and it's, it's, there's a lot of different types of insecurities. We all have insecurities. But when a friend is insecure and it starts to affect you and your friendship. Like if a friend, I don't even know how to describe it, but when they take their insecurities out on you and start to get jealous over things or envious over things and 
and start to view you as competition, that's not okay. And that's never a friendship that you should be in. And I've had in the past friends that view our friendship as a competition, which it should, it just should never be like that. And, and on social media too, one account should not be a competition to yours. Like you are your own, your own person. There should never be competitions in anything, you know, it should only be supporting each other. And if you start to feel like that kind of weird pit in your stomach, when you're with a friend, like, I don't think this person really wants the best for me. Like, I know that quote, it's like, notice when you share good news, how other people react around you, when you start to feel like they're not actually happy for your success, and they're kind of mad about it. That's a real big red flag. And those are people that you should stray away from for sure. And there's, there's all sorts of, of little red flags, but those are, those are the main ones. I don't know if you can relate to any, but. Well, I think like, I honestly think the imitation red flag and the insecure red flag are very tied because I think somebody who is going to like go out of their way to try to be you and, Mm -hmm. or like, just try to like copy your style or imitate you to a point where it's just like, they start to lose their personality in trying to be you. I think that person has to be an insecure person. And luckily I, I haven't really dealt with that one. I mean, I dealt with it in like middle school, but like, it's been like more of a like adult life at all. But I would say that like, those are probably pretty tied. And I think like when I look, because I'm serially single, I'm (laughs) a flexor of like my friendships, my friendships with my girlfriends, because like, I have worked so hard to curate my friend group to be Mm -hmm. like everything I could dream of. Like I have the best friend group and I'm like so happy with that. Mm -hmm. And now I know like, okay, if like my Prince Charming comes along, like it'll be great because I have this amazing support system already and it it can just be the cherry on top. Like he can just be the cherry on top of that. But I think like with the imitation thing, when I look at the friends that I have in my life, like I, there's not a single friend of mine that's like remotely similar to me. Like we're similar and we have like shared core values. Right. But in terms of like style, aesthetics, like I don't really have that many friends that are similar to me in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, really awesome for me because it's like I get to gain inspiration from all of these different very different people who have like for example my friend Lily who you also know her and my style completely different like she has very minimal style very high fashion there are certain things that she wears that I'm like whoa I would never wear that (laughs) things that she wears that I'm like, oh my God, can I please borrow that when you're done shooting it? Or yeah. like whatever? Because like I would die to wear it. Yeah. And I think that's like, that for me is really great because it allows me to like, kind of like open my, my creative sensors in a way. Mm-hmm. And 
gain inspiration from places that like I, if I was just being fed like the same aesthetic over and over again, then I would just like want to fit it exactly, you know? And I think it like, it makes for a more eclectic and interesting life if your friends are all like all have different styles and different interests and all of that, because you're just constantly like being curious about what they're interested in. And if it's all the same, then you just start consuming like all of that same information. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, I think it's really important, honestly, to have friends that have different like styles, aesthetics, interests, all of that, because I think that's like how you grow your interests and like your aesthetic um, and challenge yourself like in your own style and stuff because we can get so comfortable mm-hmm. in that. So I think that's really important. And to the to the insecurities thing, like, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say, like, I'm not going to be friends with people who are insecure because again, as you said, like we we all have insecurities. Right. But I think it's just how much can you handle? And like, for me, I know, like I've been with friends through horrible traumas in their, in their lives. And like, Mm -hmm. that was a time when I knew whatever I was going through was just on the back burner for a while. And like, that was okay. And I was able to handle those things and like beat show up for a friend in that situation. Cause I knew if the roles were reversed, they would do the same to the insecurities point, like if it's something that's kind of like a phase or something that someone's going through in the moment that you just have to like, you have to sit there and like, listen to them and just be like, that sucks. I'm so sorry. But if it starts to become like year after year after year, they're the same. And like, they're complaining about the same especially if it's like a superficial thing like if you're continuing to complain and it becomes like your friendship is about their like eyebrows that they don't like you know (laughs) then like then it's like okay first we're going to communicate that this is a problem to them Mm -hmm. and then we're if it like can't change then we we have to prioritize ourselves and like look for better friends but I think it's like, what can you, what can you handle? And if you really can't handle that, like that thing that they're insecure about, and it like mm-hmm. continues to come up and drain you, then y- you can't, you literally cannot be friends with that person. Like there's no option to be. So I definitely agree with that. Obviously I know all of my friends have insecurities as do I, but I haven't dealt recently with with a friend that's like, really like going through something like that yeah since also since like I was younger since like middle school because I remember we were all so insecure at that time especially about our looks that it was just like uh all everyone could talk about exactly and that's the thing I I remember too like in middle school and high school we were all at our peak insecure point and it affected at least for me, like in middle school and high school, it would affect so many things. Like everyone took their insecurities out on everyone and, and everyone has insecurities. We all have so many, but I feel like growing older is just about 
how to not take out your insecurities on other people and how to deal with your insecurities on your own and not let them affect other people because we all have them. I have so many things that I'm insecure about, but it's a matter of not letting it affect other people. And it's it's great to have friends to talk to and and to vent to about your insecurities. That's That's good. That's a healthy thing to be able to talk to your friends about those things. But when they start negatively affecting your friendships, that's when it's a red flag. That's when it's a problem. But to, to just having insecurities, we all have them. It's just a matter of how you handle them, I feel like. I would say the only like red flag that I've dealt with in a friendship, like in my adult life is the, like the time management thing, mm-hmm. like being late to things all the time, especially because I'm such like a type A girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I need you to value my time and like, right be on time to things. And when I see like that behavior in someone, even if it's just like they have a lot going on or, you know, they're just like not as organized with their time, which is like in the scheme of things, pretty minor. Mm -hmm. But if it's like a recurring habit, then it shows me, okay, this person doesn't like, if it were a super important meeting, they would show up on time. That's something that like I have dealt with in my adult life. And I remember just like texting the person and being like, if you don't change this behavior soon, like I can't hang out with you. Right. It's just becoming like every time we hang out, you're always late. Right. I'm the exact same way. And I, I'm usually an extremely punctual person, especially when it comes to things like, like dinner reservations or, or things like that. I and for the most part, so punctual. And when someone is late, I'm not like five minutes late, like, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But like when someone's just like you said, always late, it's like, if you do something over and over again, it's not a mistake. Like it's a choice. You're choosing to not change and you're choosing to not improve your bad habits, especially when it comes to someone else's time. It's just disrespectful because you know that they're sitting waiting for you. You know that they booked out time, especially I feel like we're both very busy people. Like I don't even have that much time in the first place. So for me to like schedule out time and then you just kind of like wander in 20 minutes late to something, I'm like, come on. Like, you know, I'm so busy. It's so frustrating. Okay, so when you moved to New York, or like when you graduated high school, graduated college, how did you find your friend group? And how did you find like real friends? Social media, which is crazy because I never thought ever that I would find friends from social media. But I feel like being in such a niche community, like the health and wellness community, lucky enough, everyone is so for the most part so nice and genuine and everyone really wants to form connections and I'm sure that other niches and other communities on social media are like that too but I got really lucky with that and just kind of putting myself out there and responding and and messaging other people that I think I would get along with or I think are really cool and just messaging them and asking to get coffee and that can be a daunting thing for a lot of people. And I, I've talked to my friends about that 
in the past because that's such a common thing. I'm moving to New York. I don't know how to meet anyone. Social media is such a great way to do that. It's not like school. You can't just join a club or a sorority or something and just meet a ton of people. So social media has been great. Also doing things, and this is another kind of scary thing for a lot of people, but going out and doing things alone, whether it's going to a cafe or a certain store, museum, or just like doing things that you know other people similar to you are probably doing and just going up to people and talking to them can be so helpful and you you never know what's going to come from it. But I do think that for people our age, social media is a really good way if you're willing to put yourself out there and you're willing to just message people or just have have people you know reach out to them and form connections with them in order to meet their connections and just keep hopping along and and trying to meet as many people as possible because you're bound to find a few people in the many that you meet that you connect with. On the social media front, like I am such a big proponent of meeting friends on social media because I met Lily on social media. Like she literally just DM me and we were like, okay, let's go get a juice or whatever. Like this was probably three or four years ago now. And now she's one of my best friends. So I think that to your point, like that I would look at the type of content you're consuming and see what like online communities you're, you're sort of like curating for yourself mm-hmm. and then find people in those online communities. Maybe don't like DM somebody with like 3 million followers because they probably yeah, don't no. but like. <laughs> Like reaching out to people who are like in your area, have a similar like friend group to you, or like maybe you have some mutual friends with them. Mm-hmm. And then just being like, hey, are you around for like a workout class or coffee or doing a fun activity together? I think right. that's like the best way to meet friends. And it is awkward at first, but like, right. I did that so much, especially when I moved back to New York from. LA when I was living there for college like Mm. I did that so much because I was like a lot of my friends aren't in the city because they were all at college like away at college still and I was like okay I'm I'm gonna work on curating like a new friend group in the city and I feel like I still have so many friends from high school and prior and just like friends that I grew up with in New York but I also have so many new friends from like going outside of my comfort zone and like going to events and just DMing people and like saying, Hey, let's hang out. Um, and it's like, when you like go up to somebody in the playground when you're little and you're like, Hey, (laughs) it's the adult (laughs) version of that, but like, let's normalize it. Like it's not, it's not that weird. Um, and I'm sure like everyone has like an hour in their week to like hang out with you, you know? Exactly. And like the worst thing that could happen from you messaging someone is they don't respond or you end up meeting them and you just don't click. Like there's not really any crazy bad things that can happen from you putting yourself out there and meeting people. And even I've reconnected with a bunch of people from like high school recently, because a lot of people from my high school happened to move to New York and I lost touch with a lot of people and and weren't really close with a lot of people from high school, but 
they're now in the city and some of them have reached out to me or I've just reconnected with some people by going to like high school parties, which normally I would be like, no, absolutely not. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, you know what? Why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? And then you reconnect with people who may have changed so much over the years and you wouldn't know because you haven't seen them or you weren't close with them. And and then hanging out with them could lead you to meet to to other people. And I've heard so many stories of like people going to like an acquaintance or a friend's party and then they meet their husband there or they meet their best friend at this party that they didn't even want to go to. That's like the motivation for me to push myself to go outside of my comfort zone and reconnect with with people who I didn't think I would ever reconnect with or push myself to message people who I don't think would ever respond or probably have no care in the world to see me. It's just like, why not? You know, you might as well just try, especially in such a big city. It's There's like not many other ways. Yeah. So just to kind of close things a little bit. Well, two questions. Mm-hmm. One, I... No, I I saw that you posted the subtle art of not giving a fuck recently. Yes. And I love that book. And I know you're always posting your like journal prompts and all of that and Mm -hmm. great quotes as well. So I want to know if you have a quote or piece of advice or mantra that you're living by right now. I do. And I have a favorite quote from the book that I wrote down because I have just a list of quotes from that book that I love. So it's a little bit lengthy, but it's, there's a simple realization from which all personal improvement and growth emerges. This is the realization that we individually are responsible for everything in our lives, no matter the external circumstances. We don't always control what happens to us, but we always control how we interpret what happens to us as well as how we respond. And I think about this a lot. It's one of the the dog-eared pages in my book out of the many, so many good quotes. But I feel like in regards to growth and even success, it's so easy to blame our problems on what happens to us and blame our current situation on external things that happen to us. When in reality, we, we all have shit that happens to us. Like no one's life is perfect shit happens. Like we all have negative experiences and things that happen to us in life. It's a matter of how we take it in, interpret it, and then deal with it. Because these are the cards that we've been dealt. Everyone has a different set of cards. It's a matter of what you do with them and how you use them and how you come out of bad situations, because we're all going to deal with bad situations. So it's a matter of your outlook and your perspective and whether you choose to grow from bad situations or just kind of sulk in them. And I think about that a lot when I'm having like a bad day or when just nothing seems to be going right at all. Like everything's going downhill and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is just the worst day. Like I'm just going to give up. But then I think about that and I'm like, I'm choosing to just let this, bad day sit and sulk and marinate when I could grow from it and I could turn it around if I wanted to and I feel like it's just a good reminder for everyone because it is so easy to to get down in the dumps about things and to sulk in your bad days but just to think that you are in control of mostly everything in your life and 
you're always choosing whether you're choosing not to choose you're still choosing everything and so it's a reminder that I think about a lot and I feel like a lot of people could benefit from thinking about that too Mm -hmm. I think that yeah it's like a it's a way to take back agency in tough situations and anyone probably anyone who's in therapy knows this chart but my therapist gave me this chart that's thoughts, feelings, and then actions. And I think mm-hmm. like, and you fill in each of those categories and you end with the action that you're going to take based on the feeling you had, based on the initial thought. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of us, when we're in tough situations, we stop at the feeling. We don't mm-hmm. think about like the action that we can take to help ourselves feel better or move on or whatever it is. And so I think like, the agency, the autonomy part is so crucial in that quote, because it's like, Mm -hmm. you have, you are making a choice. You do have agency, no matter how like tough things get. Right. So I think there's a lot of power in that. And our final question that we ask all of our guests on Ageless is what do you want to be when you grow up? So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I have been thinking about this so much and I feel like what I want to do and what I want to be just changes every single day and I can't give you an exact career or job that I want to have when I'm older but I just want to have an impact I want I want to have a job that has an impact on people that leaves them feeling positive, whether I end up doing social media full time, or going into something health and wellness related, because I feel like that is the path that I want to take. I just want to be leaving a positive impact and for people to leave, whether it's my page or a video that I post or something, I feel like I will end up in media, just because that's what I've been enjoying now and for a really long time. But just leaving feeling better and more secure or happy or positive or calmer or whatever it is, just a positive notion, just because I see so many, not so many, actually, there's a few like influencers that I'm constantly going to, whether it's YouTube videos or videos on their Instagram, when I'm not feeling my best, and I go to them and I leave feeling better. And I want to be one of those people because we are in such a media centered world now. And everyone growing up now is just born with social media, I feel like. And so having a strong, positive impact on social media is something that I really want to work on having and something I want to do in the long term and just have my page, at least for now, be something that people can go to and feel comfort with. Love that. Okay, well, tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and where they can listen to the podcast. My Instagram is Mads Maley, just my name. Um, I think that's my TikTok too. Um, My TikTok is more jokes than my Instagram. And then my podcast is No More Small Talk, just by Mads Maley on Spotify. It'll be on Apple Music soon, as soon as I figure out how to do that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those, those are my pages. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Yes, thank you. Hope you guys love this episode. And thanks so much to Ginny Media for our audio production.
All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 